0: Welcome to Reactive. I'm Khalil, and I am uh, not here with Henning and uh, Raquel once again because they're they're both uh, crazy busy. There's something going on. I don't know, but they couldn't make it on the show. And so I I once again turned to the community and asked if uh, if anybody wants to join as co-hosts. And uh, I was lucky that two people said yes, and I have. Uh, alexander plavinsky and matthew setter here um so i just wanted uh, i just wanted to ask you to uh, you two to uh introduce yourselves and uh you know tell everybody what you're doing and uh, maybe you can you can also say how you found out about the show since since, since when uh, you're listening and stuff so um alex why don't you start
1: Yeah, hi, Uh, I'm Alex, Um, I'm actually from um, Germany, but it's a more complicated question, I was born in Belarus, so it's, uh, uh, and yeah, I'm uh, at Slees, uh, or Slees on Twitter, and pretty much everywhere, Um, and I'm working as a front-end developer uh, here in Düsseldorf in Germany, it's it's something like a northwest part of Germany. Awesome. Matthew?
2: Good evening. Yeah, uh, I'm Matthew. I am setter MJD on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm a freelance software developer and technical writer. Um, for the most part at the moment, I am playing the role of documentation lead at OwnCloud. Um, I also am living in Germany, though I'm not German, um, originally from the east coast of Australia.
0: Wow, cool. Oh,
2: that's a long way to go. <laughs> it's a long story. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So um so okay, so so what do you um Alex what 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 have you been uh working on recently? What is what was interesting?
1: Oh, dear God. um <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of things i uh, like you know, the company I work for is uh, does something r- actually really boring and it's hard to identify with because uh, we do business to business things for call centers uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. so they uh, what we do right now is just like planning and forecasting things like yeah, all the calls that um, the call centers get we get the data, how many calls and uh, what else there is. And we do a forecasting of this stuff, like how many calls we we think that, that will happen in the future. And um, it's one of the parts that we are developing, but the product is really, really huge. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's actually technically complicated things. And what we do uh, with that is that we pick our legacy uh, software that we have and uh, rebuild it in a modern web stack uh, and I'm kind of one of the first. I'm actually the first frontend hire, um, like designated front, front end hire in the company. So uh, I got lots of freedom to play with, mm. and um, interesting things uh, are got That sounds uh, we, that sounds cool.
0: So what? So what uh, did you? What? What? So did you get to and decide what what kind of a front end stack you want to use for?
1: Um, it started with React, but uh, uh, at first it was like a year ago exactly. Now uh, it was yesterday. It's been a year ago since I'm employed there, and um, it started with React already. But it was written in CoffeeScript, and one of the first things um, that I have done there was just to convert everything to uh, ES6 uh, back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like uh, I, I was hired, and then I started doing refactorings because um, the problem there that there were people, um, mostly backend people. So some of them were doing some frontend, mm-hmm. and you could see that in a way. Like you know, I don't want to uh, say bad things about uh, backend people, but you know, there, there's still a difference uh, when you are not that deep into the matter. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, I was actually really grateful that. Uh, uh, at um, um, in the whole hiring process I was um, there and I was like a bit shocked and I could uh, clearly explain why things that they were doing were not the best way and uh, it's one, one of the reasons that I was hired so it was really cool and I actually kind of uh, get to choose uh, or to decide many things like what we do uh, what libraries we use um, nowadays and everything else got to like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, That's right. And especially it's like because we're somewhere at the start point uh, or have been like a year ago and there's uh, other projects in the company. Um, um, there are a lot of greenfield projects in a way
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because uh, everything needs to be ported and re- to be um, rethought in a modern way um, because... One of the uh, parts of the legacy software is like a huge ActiveX monster that uh, the support will be dropped in a, in a few years and it's the time is running out.
0: Wow.
2: That sounds cool. I haven't heard of, yeah. I haven't heard of ActiveX in years. But maybe <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm just on the wrong side of the coin. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, but, you know, it's been working... Since then, and it's uh, like uh, when you yeah. think about the complexity, you don't really, you actually are not familiar with that because usually they've never th- think about that. It, but uh, it's a whole complex, uh, complex software, um, like the whole workforce management things. It's like uh, so many people work there so with different contracts, with the, in different countries, with different holidays, uh, with different relations. Uh, and you try to optimize their time and their usage because you don't want to have too uh, not enough people there uh, who work there, and but also don't want to have too many of them. And they can also uh, swap their shifts or something, and start it started to be become really really complex. All right, it sounds like a fun challenge, anyway. Yeah, it is, and there is a lot of like data handling stuff, uh, all this forecasting stuff, and especially um reacting to you know, seasonal events or something like uh or uh, making like a decent forecast and there's some mathematical stuff it's it's, it's actually a really huge topics just a bit hard to identify with personally mm-hmm. which I which would struggle sometimes because so. you now it's just software for call centers and I'm not a call center
0: yeah uh, but, but is there anything that so you fun. were you were able to bring anything live already or is everything uh just ongoing in you know, ongoing development.
1: Um, it's still like live, but uh, a few customers are have been using that. I'm actually not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but uh, <laughs> well, uh, which ones? <laughs> but but there are there were some big names already. Uh, something oh, cool. or I can just drop a name like something like MakerBot, uh, uh, the uh, developer of 3D printers, have uh, recently been using us. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh Wait, do they the have a call center support?
0: or? I am I
1: actually have no idea about the site, <laughs> but they uh, they somehow, like, they do their s- uh, support somehow with, with it, and they can, I have no idea about that, but I've just heard the name um, recently a few times. And oh. there are a lot of other companies that just, you know, it's such a niche parts of the business that you... Uh, if you're not really interested in it or don't really work in it, you probably don't hear about it. Like, I've never heard about it before uh, I started working here.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's very niche, especially since it's like it's not even like uh, a call center or something. It's a business-to-business. So basically, you create software for um, other call centers to use, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's exactly that, Yeah. yeah. And especially their planners and what, what else there is there's like a lot of roles uh, it's so it's complicated:
0: yeah I can't imagine because also call centers like they uh, it's basically just an organizational marvel <laughs> like to run to, to run uh, a call center right because yeah. so, so many different people and there's the different shifts and they have the scripts are you dealing with their scripts as well, where they like, have to go through the different responses um, I, they have to give and stuff?
1: I don't think so. Um, it's just like the parts of the how they actually work there. Oh, okay. Uh, but the Scheduling um, and stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, that. And there is also uh, like one part of the company, um, it's not only that, but um, recently, like a few years ago, the company built another one. It's... Uh, called uh, the call call center school and we do educational videos uh, for like how to so people who work there can educate themselves how to be better or how to work better or something like how to be nice on the phone or something like this That must be a fun challenge Yeah, the the, the people um, they're actually really cool because they do really interactive videos and stuff and like
2: uh,
1: it's it's a whole modules uh, and uh, it's, it's actually complicated stuff. Like uh, the illustrators, Firestaff uh, first have something like more than eighty different characters for all yeah. the roles.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: yeah,
2: I had friends who worked in who worked in call centers, and I, I don't know if this is like you know saying stuff out of turn, but they always said you needed a certain sense of humor to work there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, you also need a thick skin, I think, right? yeah that's what i heard yeah yeah yeah
2: sort of just like not take things personally and um just move on and keep smiling
0: yeah go through the script yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool that sounds like a really cool uh so did you did you are you were you living in dusseldorf before is that where you basically Um, are
1: no, it's uh, like I came around in Germany. I've been, um, before I've been studying um, in Bremen, it's like in north, northern Germany. Uh-huh. And then I started working in Hamburg uh, as oh, an agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then I was on a leave for uh, some time. And then I moved to my girlfriend and then decided to look for a, a job here. Um, it's I'm living close to the earth and uh, it was the company that... Uh, uh, really was looking up to like it's it's a great atmosphere here. So the uh, people somehow compare it a bit to uh, like sometimes or I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. So it's uh, it's just a great <laughs> it's just a great mm-hmm. office.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. cool. S- sounds great. S- sounds you really found an uh, interesting thing there, especially this opportunity that you came at the right time, where there everybody everything is shifting towards the front, end and you were able to. You're basically able to work on these uh, greenfield projects. This is definitely uh, yeah, it's really cool.
1: And for for a fun fact, like uh, uh, like I learned to React actually from uh, hearing about Reactive. Uh, do you remember like uh, like a year ago uh, yes. we had this Fido project?
0: Yes, and we're still using it, by the way. Actually, really? Yeah, yeah. Every episode handing uh, is is going to Fido. And checking out the reviews
1: <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, uh, that's it. Was like uh, I was <laughs> sitting on my couch in the living room and like decided, let's learn React. And I want to have a cool project to work with. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all started. And now I got a job. So so so, so
0: for, the, for for everybody who does not know what Fido is, so Fido is a little uh, project that you can check out at Fido.Surge.sh. Mm -hmm. And, um, so basically what you can do, we, you can, you, you can, um, um, basically insert, you you go to my podcasts. up to the right. There's a button says my podcasts and, um, you can insert the, I, the podcast ID from the, um, like the iTunes store. And then what it will do, it will fetch all the reviews and list them with, um, so basically, shows the the latest review. It shows at the top, and then it goes, you know, from latest to to last. Um, and um, and we because we needed a tool to quickly check out all the reviews, or to to, qu- to quickly see um, all the latest reviews over all countries because it's because bas- it's an international podcast, and when somebody in Germany goes to review the podcast. Um, it's in the German iTunes store, basically. Mm -hmm. And if somebody in the U.S. reviews the podcast, then it's in the U.S. iTunes store. So in order to actually see all the reviews, like there's no way in iTunes to just see all the reviews, as far as I know. Like we didn't find it. So what you need to do is like you always have to switch stores to find, you know, to to see, to check, to switch stores uh, in every country or uh, all the languages or i don't know but you have to switch around as it's, it's really awkward to to check out um if you have any new reviews and every show we wanted we wanted to know if we have any new reviews so we mm-hmm. can read the latest review and uh, you know read it out loud on the podcast and stuff and uh and in order to do that um we just started to, we just like we had a bunch of little projects we wanted to start um in the reactive community there is a github repo- uh, um, organization for that as well and uh so we, i think we just asked if anybody wants to do that and uh, i think yeah and silas or Alex, he just uh he just took up the project cuz he wanted to learn react and he um and he wrote it. And so you can go to fighter.search.sh and put in the, the ID and, and pull up all the reviews. It's really handy if you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, really cool. It's awesome. And that basically... But there's, there's uh, something's weird. For some reason, uh, the drop-down menus, for me, it, they don't show... Um, they, when you choose something, it doesn't show it in the drop-down anymore. I mean, it still works, but I, something's weird. I,
1: don't know. I can probably like try to renew things there. It's <laughs> I haven't looked it for for over but, a year.
0: But it's weird that it's broken now since nothing was depl- deployed. You know, like it's it worked once and suddenly it. Maybe maybe it's Chrome. Maybe Chrome is the problem. I don't know. That some CSS property doesn't work properly anymore.
2: Well, maybe that or like a particular version of Chrome or something.
0: Yeah must be something like that because nothing changed with the code really yeah but that, that's that's really awesome yeah cool so you learned react and then you went out and uh, tried to find a job and, <coughs> and found a react job
1: basically yeah So
2: cool. that sounds pretty cool
1: <laughs> i was actually look, like looking for a company that i, I wanted to do front-end full-time Because before that I was mostly like a full stack developer but mixed with PHP and didn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's like my PHP fatigue was was getting so much bigger and bigger every time I opened it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of like fell in love with JavaScript like doing really all things in JavaScript like a few years ago. And then I decided like it's time to change that and actually go full ahead and front end stuff because actually i really enjoy that
2: well i mean i guess it's sort of good to have a a clear direction and not sort of be a bit here and a bit there it's something i have a real problem with
0: (laughs) so matthew what what, uh, what what are you doing like all the things aren't you also podcasting and aren't you also kind of involved with php and stuff or are you doing a lot of php stuff
2: um, I, like, I'll, I'll be honest. I probably shouldn't be, but I haven't coded much in a while. Um, it's kind of sad to uh, a while, maybe a couple of months, um, because I sort of found myself spending more time doing technical writing and docs in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I've, I've been freelancing for about two years, two, two and a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And it sort of started off as that typical freelancer of uh, well, like a, uh, a job here and a job there and, you know, sort of be feast and famine. Um, and not to say it was bad, but then, um, I worked at a co-working space here in Nuremberg and, uh, yeah, about three months ago, I think. Oh no, no, a bit more. So three to six months. Um, some of the people from there who work at OwnCloud, um, came along and said, look, yeah, we've we've seen the writing that you've done like for various people, like Codeship and so forth. Would you – um our current documentation per- person's moving on kind of soon. Are you interested in giving us, you know, say maybe like 15, 20 hours a week? Huh. I thought, oh, yeah. You know, I was, I was interested yeah. on it as a project and then thought, oh, regular gig. <laughs> There's a certain appeal to that. Um and so I sort of took it on and it's, it's sort of in, in a way sort of mushroomed or, or ballooned um, to the point of I think in the last, yeah, about the last two weeks I thought I kind of missed my code. I, I, I would like to have like a more of a like say a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah.
2: So I haven't done as much. Um, I, I still do like blogging on a site that I've had for ages called masterzenframework.com, uh, all about Zen Framework. I guess the name's a giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sort of fishing around at the moment to, to to find a project that I can sort of like write and then take ideas and tutorials from that live project. And I was wondering about maybe uh, like a I've, I don't know. Actually, I'll, I'll throw the idea out there. I'm I'm kind of I'm stuck for ideas. I was thinking maybe like a job site or a, I really don't know. I just wanted something that was meaningful, not something that was you, you do something just to have something <clears throat> rather something that like I'm interested in doing a certain thing and mm-hmm. that I can combine that with writing an app
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so you want to stick with it and you want to stay with that over the course of I don't know at least 6 to 12 months
1: because
2: mm-hmm. I figure from there if if it sort of got bigger and then you could put it out whether open source it or maybe um it might have some kind of like paid or support component to it yeah. then it's you, you know you've, you 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 have real users, so you have to make real decisions um and really sort of think about how you do things, and not be um well, no one's ever going to see it anyway, so I can just kind of do what I want you know you you have a project that is more meaningful and and people could relate to hopefully yeah, um, yeah. so that's kind of something that i'm I'm trying to figure it out, um but otherwise, yeah, doing lots of doc work i uh, getting to understand the other side of of or another side of, of software development in that you had know, writing docs that are meaningful to people, whether they're a first-time user, whether they're the, I don't know, the team lead or a manager or project manager who isn't necessarily a coder, um, to maybe, say, another developer who's, say, just been hired at a company and knows nothing at all about the code base mm-hmm. and trying to... Um, uh, what would you say? Like, understand both informa- information architecture, um, taxonomy, uh, legibility, and readability, and all those things, so that you know, no matter where somebody is, they can say, "Okay, how can I get started? I need to learn quickly, and I need to do X." So, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun challenge, you know, despite not having much code. Although there is elements of code in that you have to like like, sort of look mm-hmm. through source code when someone says, we need to document feature Y, mm-hmm. so here's yeah. some notes, and oh, yeah, here's some links to the source code. Mm-hmm. So sort of going in and looking at it and seeing how it works, getting something running or experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. So it's not completely no code. It's just, I guess, not as much as I'd like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into writing? um you're always writing on your blog, and and got it into writing at, like on other sites as well. Or how did that work out?
2: It was. I'd like to say it was more disciplined and planned than than it was. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, the weather's really dry down here lately, and my throat keeps drying out. Um, it. I I'd, I'd been coding for about. What was this? This was going back to about 2000 and. Nine, I think uh, I think I'd been coding for something like uh, 10 years or so by that stage mm-hmm. and it was always it was just code it was straight code of, of some nature or another mm-hmm. and I was feeling a sense of, of just wanting a bit of a bit of change excuse me so, a second
0: so what, what language uh, have you been writing
2: uh, to be honest um, primarily PHP okay but I started off uh, I started off in what? What did I start off in? C++ and Java. Um, I, I I kind of don't necessarily admit to doing a bit of VB on Access code at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just I I, just, I kind of say I don't admit to it because uh, the experience was not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of through happenstance, I got into PHP. I was working for. Um I was only, I was the only dedicated developer as as raw and young as I was at the time in an engineering company and they had a a client said they wanted a, a website in PHP and MySQL and this is going back to PHP 3.x <laughs> um and MySQL 3.1x or something so this is kind of going way back yeah. in a way and I was like, "Yeah, why the hell not?" You know, I, I was young, ambitious, uh, impressionable, and so that's sort of how like PHP kind of became mostly my mainstay. Mm-hmm. Um, but after many years of that, um, I, I guess I kind of felt not not burned out, but it was so just really wanted to change to look to something else um, and have a bit of variety. And I was working for a company in the UK who. Had, oh, through who is sorry? Who said uh, if you're willing to, if you can string words together in a meaningful way, if you're willing to to communicate about you know projects that you've worked on for us, um, we'll pay you two hundred pounds per article to write articles, or technical articles for our blog. Hmm. So I thought, okay, that's great. I can put a hopefully get a bit of money together for some weekends away mm-hmm. to you know various places through Europe sure, to impress the wife. Um, but it turns out they weren't necessarily interested in the topics that I had, but they said, we aren't, but we know somebody who might be. And this led to getting started writing uh, a column at PHP Architect magazine, which hmm. I've been writing. Well, I didn't quite start off as that, but it became that. Uh, and I've been sort of writing ever since. And they said I was the lo- their longest running continuous columnist. Um, and cool. sort of through, sorry,
1: that's cool. I'm sorry for. interrupting you.
2: It's kind of I don't know. It was it was it was interesting to hear. Um, but sort of through, like one thing sort of led to another. I got to know some people at CodeShip uh, when they were in their earlier days. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I sort of for my blog, which became Masters and Framework. Um, I was looking for sort of things to, to review, like ways to use Zen Framework with different providers and stuff. And, and they were one of them. And then I think a year later, after doing this like th- two or three post series, um, they had a new editor who said, Hey, I'm wonder- interested, uh, want to know if you'd like to do some kind of semi or semi regular or regular gig for us. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that really kind of helped my writing kind of take off. In terms of um, finding new work, because though, as far as I know, like the blog isn't, sorry, their blog doesn't necessarily get a huge amount of comments as such. Mm-hmm. So many people would say, hi, I saw you writing on there. Hmm. And I kind of reading between the lines, I get the impression of that blog was highly respected. So by consequence I was writing on there. Mm-hmm. They sort of rubbed off that perception onto me. And they'd say, well, you know, since you've written for them, would you be interested in writing for us? And that's, right. I think, at least three or four clients directly through there because I'd say, well, how did you hear about me? And they'd say, code ship. Uh-huh. Or they'd just bring it up in conversation. We, You know, we've been reading your your work intermittently on there um, or regularly. would love to know if, you know, can we at least have a conversation? So these days, it's uh, a lot of the writing is on... Either secure software development or um, continuous um, integration, deployment, and development. Mm-hmm. So that's my kind of huge nutshell. Sorry if that kind of went on a bit.
0: That's all good. Super interesting. I'm seeing. Uh, I'm just on the CodeShip blog right now, and I'm seeing Frank Anderson, who is also in the reactive uh, chat every right now and then. He uh, no Frederick. Sorry, Frederick. <laughs> Anderson um, F. Dot Anderson in the chat. Um, he's mm-hmm. been also writing some articles for them apparently about npm modules. Uh, cool. Um, so is this, is this like? Was this like? So we kind of you fell, You just fell into all this writing. Is it? Is it some? But it's also something that you enjoy, I guess, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it sort of fell into it. Sort of wanted to make something of it um Mm -hmm. i i I do enjoy the the hardest thing about it is that i i guess i've always had a problem with the sense of what exactly do i do and and to to give maybe a a good example of that i could look at someone like say troy hunt if you're familiar with him uh
0: Uh, i've seen the name somewhere i think yeah
2: he's got actually i'll i'll this is this is not in any way wanting to sort of like you know give give him a cheap plug. It's just a, a name that usually always comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And and Troy is the what does what he say? He's the um, Microsoft Regional Director and MVP for Security. So mm-hmm. like his thing is security. So like his blog is all about security breaches, um, hacking yourself, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas mine, by contrast, was always a bit of this, a bit of that, and a bit of that. I always found it difficult to say, I want to pick one thing, specialize in that and do that really well so that I get known as that person for, you know, that particular thing, like the the Docker person or the, um, I don't know, um, um, or maybe, was it, um, my, my name escapes me, uh, say uh, Taylor Otwell in, in PHP, like the Laravel person and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, you get you get mm-hmm. sort of um, closely associated with one particular topic. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I kind of had of had that focus or could find it, I could probably do like a lot more, uh, probably do a lot better because it would be a lot more specific.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But I guess I've always been a person who's been more of the generalist, just interested in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I kind of, I, I did in part fall into things, but there was a certain element of at least thinking, well, what would I like to write about um, or code on? Because in the earlier days, I would I did sort of write about almost everything. And it was really hard because someone would say, oh, would you like to write about this? And you might never have heard of it. And it kind of can be fun, but after a while, it's you, 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 there's always this huge kind of research aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you've got to find somebody who knows about it or you know do some code experiments, figure out how to install it, and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and it became progressively easier to say narrow down to maybe say three topics and do those on a semi regular basis and you, then you can just keep drawing on information that you already have and knowledge that you you have or or kind of just build a little bit extra mm-hmm. and then the other part is maybe something um uh, as well It's like you sort of, um, by by doing by drawing on something that you do on a regular basis, I, I kind of I feel more authentic and I feel more confident in saying what I say. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big thing of, of wanting to, to mm, niche down, I guess, so I can, I can sort of feel more comfortable and and confident in, in in what I'm I've written. I feel yeah that that's that's correct and that if I send it to somebody to get it then peer-reviewed or technically reviewed, that the feedback will likely be, okay, yeah, that was mostly right, just a few little things I picked you up on, as opposed to, do you have any idea what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's that imposter syndrome kind of thing coming through. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard because, uh, because basically everything is its own little vast uni- universe, even within one language, the one framework is a completely different universe from the other framework. And it's uh, it's really like, it, I find it basically impossible to know all the things. I also feel like I, I've never really met, I think never really met somebody who was a really, really excellent back-end developer as well as an excellent front-end developer. I have not seen that yet. For instance,
2: I think you'd have to be a savant or something to be
1: that good,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Definitely. It just takes up so much time, like when, when there is so much knowledge to, to to gather, so uh, and it's getting I, more, I yeah, and it's getting more and it's getting even faster. Like, it, this it, more is getting even more, even faster, so uh, hmm. there's no way to, to catch up.
2: Yeah. There was a the only suggestion I have is uh, when I was at uni, um. We had a, a networking lecturer, and he was good, like he, he he could sit there in the tutorials and just you could ask him questions, and he would rattle off information about networking and there was we were in third year or something, and somehow he mentioned this student who said, "Oh look, he's better than I am." and, he, and we said, "But he's like under half your age." He said, "Yeah, he can spell networking. he can't spell a woman, but you know just the inference being that that's all he did mm-hmm. um you're not wanting to sort of you know critique this person or whatever just that he was he absolutely lived and breathed this stuff and he did nothing else and yeah. I I can't think of any you know unless you were that focused and that driven to it I don't know how you could you know past a point you, you just can't hold it all in because you know there's, there's other things to do and there's so many things competing for your attention and time and yeah and you
0: have a yeah. life to live and family and all that stuff (laughs) yeah I was always a huge huge fan of uh, specialization and the benefits um, that 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 come with specialization I think uh, maybe I even told that story on the on the podcast already I'm not sure but I I definitely like I don't know that was like 15 years ago or something like that when I was a teenager or something my, my dad Gave me a book, and that book said um, it was a German book, and it was uh, it's a, it's a, something like success, be successful by special specialization. And it was written by a woman, and she had researched a whole bunch of companies that were successful um, because of because of their specialization. And among those companies, for instance, were Porsche um then a company that like a small co- like a company that was just offering like a a dry cleaner that was offering um um ironing of of um shirts at at like for, so basically what what that sto- the story of that company of that dry cleaner was that they were trying to figure out what what would um, how how low would the price have to be for somebody to bring in their shirts every day? I think I think it was every day. Was it every week? Maybe it was every week, but like really, really often to mm-hmm. bring all their shirts to get them ironed by them. Like what was the price? So they did a lot of like, they questioned a lot of their cu- customers and basically the customer said like, well, what, when it's like one euro or one Deutschmark back then, I don't know. Um, then, then I would do it, you know, that would be low enough. So basically they figured out how to get the price so low. So they, th- so they invested money into some sort of an ironing machine. Mm. So, so it was some new machine that would enable um, the dry cleaner to, to iron shirts really, really quickly. And so they invested in that and then they offered – you know ironing for for that low price. So they basically invested in that one niche, you know, to be mm-hmm. like the best um shirt ironer at the best price and um and and made a lot of money with this. And and there was also and and she she researched a lot of uh companies that were called hidden champions, the companies that you would have that you never heard of but um are making um, a, a really like a could like they're small to big companies or mid to big companies that make um that have very healthy businesses, make a lot of money, and they're like hyper focused on one thing or, you know, like making parts for specific You know car brands for specific things or like all Mm -hmm. kinds of different things that you just never heard of because it's business to business and it's like super niche and all that stuff or like some of them even rule basically rule the world with their one little product product that they have because everybody buys them from them and stuff and it's always super niche and and uh, so so the 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 biggest um, argument against specialization um, is always like, yeah, but when I spe- specialize, what if the need for my spe- specialization goes away? That's always like the exactly. Big, that's always the big argument. Yeah, and, and what the arguments that uh, or the 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 um, yeah the arguments that she had against that was super interesting to me. So she through her research, basically. She was able to conclude that if you are a specialized company, what's interesting is that if you dive really deep into one niche and you're mm. really, really good at whatever that niche is, suddenly you break through, like when, when you, so you specialize, specialize, and suddenly, through that specialize, specialization. There is a there, suddenly an opening happens. Because because you have the, these kind of specialized skills, suddenly you can use these skills in other indi- industries often. I don't have any um, ag- concrete examples top of mind, but she had many of them in the book. Um, um, you can use reuse those skills that you acquired through the specialization in different industries or in different situations or for different clients different types of clients that are actually not related to each other, but the work is very related to each other. The work that you do in order to serve those clients is extremely re- related that was one thing and um, I found that very interesting, and the other thing was also that um the thing this this event where suddenly something is not there anymore and it's surprising you and taking you off guard and you suddenly like uh, you don't have a business anymore this this type of thing doesn't really happen for specialized companies it happens for companies that are generalists because they're not deep enough in those businesses, so there's t- parts of the businesses that just break away because they they're not aware of what the, what's going on in the market, or they're just not you know they're just not um, specialized enough basically to understand the dynamics properly and what what's going on. But she said that uh, through her research, she could conclude that basically if you if you are one of these uh, specialists, then you can tell. A long time before the business goes away, or the business opportunity goes away, you can tell that it's gonna go away because you're so specialized, you can you you and you understand that market extremely well. you can tell um, very, very soon, much you know much uh, like many like a year maybe before you would go out of business or so, that this this kind of uh, tendency is going on and that gives you time to either like branch out into other things to use your skills in other ways Mm. um, or specialize on on something else and I found this I I found that very very interesting and it really hit home for me and I I was always very fascinated by uh, specialists and specialization and the opportunity of specialization and also for me personally it it's as soon as it became clear for me that that the front end is kind of in, and JavaScript is kind of where I want to go. Um, I I never hes- hesitated because of this kind of this book I read once. I never hesita- hesitated to hmm. to make that decision to say oh yeah this is once I found it like I was like oh, yeah this is clear to me I need to go and I'm just gonna do it and and I'm still kind of. Finding, I'm still kind of learning about, you know, uh, or kind of trying to find, you know, even even deeper niches within my niche to go even more specialized, more specialized, more specialized. Because that's really really the only way uh, how you can make yourself indispensable and really useful also uh in this in this kind of pr- in in any profession i think or in this world and it, it also gives you just uh a lot of, a lot more leverage um than than being um a generalist um often i think well it depends really like i you know i'm not going to knock just generalists in general because because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they might very well be uh, amazing generalists uh, I think there are definitely, but for me for me personally, I could not do it. I definitely found that for me i I can't be a full stack developer and be really good at all the things in a full stack. It's just impossible for me so that so th- that's also a reason why it was clear for me that i have to I have to niche and go so, yeah. so maybe
2: you could sort of help me out with that um my 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 father-in-law is a. Uh, I, I think I think if he had his time over, he, he'd be into security. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we have discussions, he's telling me about like the latest things he's heard about security breaches and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I one of the clients that I work for is a company called Screen, uh, based out of Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been this sort of intriguing look at getting to more mm-hmm. abreast of the security landscape, something I kind of speculated on and said, yeah, I, I definitely have to get around to that um, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's then thinking, okay, well, maybe that's like the, the path to go down. But then if you've got something so broad as, as security itself, mm-hmm. and as you say, like being general, and then you were saying like, was it niching within a niche and, and perhaps mm-hmm. then within a further niche again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's then... How do you say? Okay, these are my interests. This is what I perceive to be something valuable. Where does the overlap come, or is it just a case of continuous refinement and experimentation?
0: Yeah, I think that you like. There's no formula for it. I think that you really just have to try stuff out, and and it's. And I think one thing that's really important to pay attention to is um, is what is your strength. Mm-hmm. What 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 can you where do you end up, you know, when you when you do that? Do hello? you end up Hello? You still there? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry, my, my, just the all the incoming audio just went blo- just stopped for a second.
0: Oh, oh, okay. So no, we're back.
2: All right. Hi. Hello. Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: uh, no problem. Yeah, so I was saying that um so it makes sense to to basically pay attention to your strengths, right? So when you mm-hmm. When you try out, so there's there's no formula, I think. I think trying out basically is the formula. and if you if you try out something, like say you go into like a security into the security uh, area, and you do certain things, and then you pay attention to what are the things that you know that you do um, in that work that you, for instance, forget you know time, like it just time just flies and these things really come easy to you da 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 then follow that i think this, so this is also an an interesting uh philosophy that 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 i learned from um somebody called gary Vaynerchuk that is crazy interesting gary v gary v you know gary v yeah, yeah i thought of gary v yeah, yeah yeah so he's 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 been pushing a lot of interesting philosophies and it, it often relates to business and, and how to do, use social media to do marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's some really interesting, like all-time, really good nuggets in what he's saying. And one of the things that he's saying is that you should always double down on your strengths when it comes to business. And he's very clear about the distinction between business and private life, right? In your private mm-hmm. life, It makes sense, like in in relationships to your family, you know, your partner, your kids, that you work on yourself, and you also have to work, you know, on uh, on your weaknesses. You have to improve, you know. We all know it, you know. Like Mm. being in a relationship is hard and makes sense. That's a whole different story, but when it comes to business, it's a whole it's a it's a whole different relationship, and. When you are working on something, or for somebody, or you're working for yourself, it makes sense to to pay attention to what comes easy to you, and what is your strength, and what you know what's the most basic, what's the most fun. When do you, when does everything just like time flies when you work on stuff, and just try to double down on that. And when, for instance, when you are a when you have your own business, and you realize okay. Uh, coding is my strength or so marketing is my strength, then y- you make sure that you can spend the biggest amount of time on that. So you can get uh, better and better and better at that because it comes easy to you. It's, it's also very easy for you to get even much better, um, um, uh, be- better on it. No better, uh, better added. at it. At Thank you. And, Sorry. uh, I was just struggling there for a second. And, um, uh, you can get much better at it f- much more quickly than somebody who's who you know doesn't have that strength and then and then you mm-hmm. basically hire people or you partner with people who have strength in the areas that you 're missing, like for instance if your b- if business development is not your strength, you get somebody or if accounting is not your strength you get somebody to do that who is really strong at that, and that's a really good kind of way to um uh, yeah, to build a business or to, to like, it sets you up for success, really, and and um and for growth and positive kind of growth and if and for like a happy kind of environment to work in. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of things that that kind of maps against that that are really interesting, and it kind of works well together with the specialization aspect, where you kind of uh, figure out what is your strength and you try to specialize. On that, and kind of follow that, and and you know, kind of see where does that get you.
2: Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That sort of that that resonates really well as well.
0: It's 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 actually something that I I actually applied um, when I changed my job the last time. So Mm -hmm. because uh, I was working for for. A a technical, uh, you know, like client services uh, agency, yeah, and um, and and kind of work in life. There was kind of like a, you know, digital agency type of life, and Mm -hmm. um, so like, uh, but it was, but it was, it's it's kind of it was kind of run in a way where I I I ended up, you know, working on a lot of projects that I did not like, where I could not really um improve a lot or that were lots of legacy code that was really hard to deal with and and it was re- lots of frustrating projects to be honest and there were lots mm. of you know internal reasons in my opinion why that was how it was and uh and it and it kind of and it kind of um became clear to me that at least in this kind of environment like this kind of client services uh, environment that is run in that specific way which is which happens often at least in germany in in this kind of uh, digital digital agencies where where you have people you know that go out to the clients and they just get in projects and then they throw developers on the projects and then everybody scrambles and you know it just you know terrible things happen with the code and like you have impossible deadlines oh, yeah. and all this bullshit. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just crap. It's is just mostly just like bad management of projects in my opinion. And, um, and, and, and bad decisions with, you know, to start with like, what do you sell? Like there's no thinking about what do you really sell? What is the right thing to sell in order to keep everybody in the company happy and productive and, and, and also keep the company, um, profitable and stuff like uh, uh, anyway um yeah so but the thing is for it became clear to me that this kind of environment is not something that i can thrive in and it's not really my strength to to be in this kind of environment, and that I was more interested in going to more uh, product development kind of environment where it's mm-hmm. not client services, but you have one product that you can work on and you can improve, and and stuff like that. So at that point, I had I had two job offers in front of me basically when when it came to the decision. Because um, I was looking around at different opportunities, and then there were two job offers. And one basically was a really cool little company that I really liked, but that was a client services company, a little bit more focused and like design focused also, and was very interesting, an interesting opportunity. And then there was the other opportunity to work at on this um, in this in, at Einstein where I'm now at the, on this big project um, that would go on for a long time, but it has a modern tech stack. Was a greenfield project. And and it really and and yeah when it, when I had them like when I had this in front of me just playing it through my head I could really feel that just who because of who I am and how I work and and and, and how I think about front end development and all these kind of things all these aspects come together I could f- just feel how the the product development kind of project uh, or or job was really attracting me much stronger than the other one. And, and mm-hmm. it felt like I could thrive there. It, it, it was kind of a de- decision between uh, working on my strengths or working on my on my weaknesses, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why, I, and because of this Gary stuff, like ringing through my head, I made the decision to go with my strength side. Because it's well, not I so ob- it's it's yeah. not so obvious, you know, when you don't have that kind of in the back of your head. It's not so because you kind of feel like, yeah, yeah, this is a cool company, you know. The other company mm. that where I would have to work on my weaknesses also a little, but you don't really think about that because you think it's a it's it's a cool company, you know. And they make some cool things, and I could do this, and I could do, do that, and you don't really think. So it is a viable option for you, but when you keep that in mind, the whole strengths and weaknesses thing within a business then it becomes so clear what you need to do if, if, it, makes, if it resonates with you. you know? yeah, cause, yeah. yeah, sorry? No, go ahead. I'm, I'm
2: done. Because <laughs> I guess other, otherwise you're sort of maybe thinking in, in broader abstract sort of terms, like, oh, they're nice people. It seems like I'd be comfortable. But you're not thinking about, like well, why would I be comfortable? Why would it be a good fit? Would it really be one? Or am I just kind of feeling good right now? Mm-hmm. You know, something, something yeah, very exactly. sort of short term or transitory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you sort of. Uh, sorry. Um, like, like Personally, I had this really similar development, like a little said. Uh, for me, it was also like you know, I've been asking myself, what do you actually want to do? What I found really cool. And it's like it was something like a feeling that, that I had, like the are the things that I enjoy. And uh, it was also compared to um, what's a about what's trending in the market? Like, uh, what cool stuff is there, and what I think will be developing and getting stronger uh, in the next few years? And mm-hmm. just the, the, uh, usually, um, the range of topics uh, that you can pick is really, really uh, wide, and uh, like really pick your uh, pick the stuff that you're mostly that you're most interested in yeah and it's usually the best choice because you are you keep yourself motivated and it's a great plus um that you can start with, and this motivation won't go won't disappear too easily
0: yeah exactly I mean it really has to be um you also have to have kind of the luck to to have the opportunity to go somewhere where they they actually do what they say they will do. <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes yeah. they say, "Yeah, we're gonna work, do all this stuff. And we're gonna work all with. We're gonna do work with this and work with that." And then you go there, and it's all uh, completely different. Yeah, but uh, what,
2: yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh,
0: uh, Alex, were you yeah. going to say something?
1: Um, <laughs> we're talking about yeah, like. Um does exactly think um, actually happens, but I think uh, it it can happen uh, because uh, like companies also try to sell themselves to you, and but uh, it's the same like you from as uh, an employee you try to sell sell yourself to the company. Yeah. Um, mm. but you know sometimes both sides can lie or pretend like uh, sometimes they they just fake it until they make it sometimes. Uh, but <laughs> yes, sometimes that just this doesn't work out. And uh, at least like in Europe, you have something like probation time, uh, which also works in both ways, I think, which it's people true. often forget. Yeah. Um, yeah, The probation time is not also for the employee to, uh, for the company to check out how the employees, but also uh, for the employee to check out uh, mm. what the company culture is. Well, yeah. it, it should be that way in that
2: you, you know, you think it through and think, do I actually fit here? Or is this just going to be, okay, I'm about to walk in the door, smile, smile, everything's okay. You know, and, and take that opportunity to say, okay, well, look, it's within that, I th- uh, say, what, three or six-month period and say, look, I'm sorry, I, I don't see this working out. So thanks very much and,
1: you know, I'll see you later. No harm done. Yeah. Hearing all kids, I kind of realize how much of us spoiled. Uh, how much spoiled we are in this industry? <laughs> like, uh, like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't like to work in this country and this and um, this company. Uh, I don't really like this little details about you. Mm, uh, like, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, just it's, we are incredibly. Oh, how do you say that? You're spoiled. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was um, bold, but we're also fortunate, I would say. Yeah, know? fortunate.
1: Like We're yes. really fortunate and yeah. uh, really happy to, to have that. Yeah.
2: Because it's, it's a mix. It's, it was this conversation I was having with friends recently, and all of, uh, most of us are, are developers or sysadmins. Uh-huh. And it, w- it was uh, not seeking to get political, but it was around the Brexit thing in the UK. Mm-hmm. And just listening to the conversations, and everybody's saying, you know, oh, but well, not everybody, but there was generally uh, like a positive feeling about how well life is. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I don't know what it was, but something drew my attention to to say, hang on a second, all of the people I know are basically in IT in some way and generally doing well, because IT, at least now, is generally a well-paid profession. Mm-hmm. I think, wait a second, hang on, step, step outside that bubble to say, I don't know, maybe a nurse or whatever. And all of a sudden, the whole situation is just dr- dramatically different.
0: Dramatically. You know, th- yeah. yeah, the opportunities,
2: yeah. The, the remuneration, all those sorts of things. It's just, this is your job. If you don't like it, well, and it, it's hard when you're inside, perhaps the bubble's is the wrong term, but when you're inside it to really see outside to, to genuinely objectively see outside that but yeah, one thing's for sure is, is definitely the opportunities right now are, are still massive
0: yeah they're still yeah. massive yeah uh, it's just like the whole deep learning and machine learning thing is gonna kick our butts at some point <laughs> I think it's all kind of starting now. Uh, but yeah, that's... I, I, th- that, I found
1: this, this whole... Like there's a sheet somewhere or some magazine has done it with the probability of your profession to be replaced by robots at, at mm-hmm. some point. And, and, and I found this stuff really scary. <laughs>
2: but <laughs> but then happen.
1: Yeah. But, but then, then, yeah, well...
2: The thing is, is will it right? Because if you if you're making a projection on the future, based on the past, but then with variables that change, I kind of wonder. Like there there has to be an element of truth to it, but then there's an element of there was one of when when Microsoft was really taking off back in the mid 90s, after Windows 95 or whatever. And Bill Gates released this book because he was like the considered the like wonderkind or whatever, mm-hmm. and everything he touched was amazing. And so his every word, like journalists would hang on. And he, I remember reading this book and thinking, okay, we'll see how it goes. Ten years later, I don't know if even sort of like one percent of it even went anywhere. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I see what people say like machine learning and what it can do, and this kind of profession that it applies well to but how much of it will come to pass and how much of it will be, oh, that was an interesting idea. Hm. Well, you know, what? Y-
0: you know what? Here we're coming back to the, to the whole subject of specialization again, because mm. when I was working at this agency-type company, uh, mm. I was wondering what the fuck are we actually doing here because I felt that even right now at this time, a lot of the jobs that we were doing there that companies were paying hundreds of thousands of euros for mm. were easily would have been easily done with a squarespace.com website you know mm-hmm. if you can yeah. cuz lots of the things that we were doing there were like marketing websites for for companies right and the problem is of course the mar- those companies they want they have like they just make their lives really difficult because they go to some shitty design agency that tells them they have to do things this and that way and then they sign they they design them you know a website that you can't really really do very well with you know on the web but it has to be that way and then you do it and then that costs a lot of money and then of course there's like multiple egos in that company that need to like fulfill something or whatever so it's not really about efficiency it's not really about you know making a website that works really well that you know you know sells their stuff it's about all kinds of different interests and politics and stuff like that but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day if 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 they were pragmatic and if they knew what's going on in the market, they could have they could have just gone to Squarespace and pay like ten bucks a month, right, and mm-hmm. have an intern not an intern maybe but have some people you know learn how this drag and drop design interface works, and then concentrate on the content, which is by the way also one of the biggest pro- pro- uh, problems a lot of these companies have. Uh, to deliver the content and deliver good content for the website. So that's actually something that maybe they need help help for. But this is something that, this is something at that point in time when I was working there, I already felt like it's ridiculous that we're getting so much money for this still, even though there are these kind of type of, you know, like Squarespace websites that can do a really good job at what they actually need or a better job than what mm-hmm. they asked us to do. Right. And, and um especially at <laughs> this price difference yeah it's 90 bucks a year or something like that instead of uh tens or hundreds of thousands of euros it's insane yeah. it's actually really insane and it's a, and you can make a really good marketing webs- websites you can even add a yeah. shop now right mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy and um so these kind these kind of typical um marketing websites and little shops and stuff like that, this is just going to like, should actually the the jobs or the money in that should actually already be, you know, dying away, you know, I just, I, and it, I think it will eventually with a more, you know, internet savvy kind of generation getting into those jobs. Mm. But, but, um, but yeah, the technology is already there in these kind of areas. And, in order for so so actually, in order to to have a good you know p- well paying job in web development in the long term, you need to specialize
2: because but there was yeah, sorry go ahead there was as you were saying that I, I read a or well, I remember this kind of like 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 vague statistic something about. Uh, perhaps like say 40 to 60% of jobs that exist aren't actually necessary. They don't serve uh, a real purpose other than to employ the person in the job. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, that is, is a throwaway number. I don't know what, what it was. Mm-hmm. But in part it sort of made sense because a lot of jobs are – and you see we're, especially in sort of countries that – you know, like the economy is turning down or they're attempting to revive it. So we'll say, well, we'll create infrastructure projects. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure project isn't necessarily necessary, right. but just having it, well, one, sort of keeps money in your economy and two, gives people something to do. Yeah, so, but what, what
0: I'm talking about is, what yeah. I'm talking about is actually an alternative. So they need a certain project and they're paying hundreds okay, of thousands yeah. of euros, Right. And mm. there is an alternative that would be as good or better for a, a fracture of the price.
2: But right? in that particular case, perhaps, you've got someone who, and, and, as you say, I think, like, ego is coming into play saying, oh, no, no, no I, I don't want something that anybody else could get. It, it has to be just for us. Yeah. And then we have, and in some cases, I've had the experience that um, when it's not your own money, it's okay. But if, if you had a sense of uh, um, some clear sense of connection to like that sense of ownership of, or investment in that, in that cash or in that turnover, that it sort of affected you personally, you'd likely, I guess, make a, a different decision. Mm. But if, and this is being a bit generalizing here, but if as a manager saying, well, you can go home and you could leave that job and then find another one tomorrow, if the company sort of fails, it's not necessarily you per se. Mm-hmm. and egos and, and silos can build up to say, well, it has to be special because it's us. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't be using that over sure. there because, well, anybody could sort of be having it. So it has to be special yeah, yeah, yeah. and we'll just throw money at it. Sure. Yeah. Is, is a feeling some of the time at least, or at least from experience um, of dealing with some people in, uh, when I was in the UK and Australia as well. Yeah. Like
1: hearing about this discussion, uh, like a few years ago, um, I have read this comparison that uh, we as web developers are can somehow be compared to car engineers or car mechanic uh, mechanic people mm-hmm. that were doing engines and stuff. Uh, and uh, you can compare the cost of building a website something like getting a car as well. Uh, it depends on the car, but it also depends on the website, and uh, they're comparable in my, in a way. Like yeah. you can probably. Agree, and mm. uh, but seeing the specialization that is happening in, in car industry, uh, it's it's also the same the same stuff um, that's happening in our industry as well. Uh, when you see, when you just draw comparisons to it, uh, when it first started with um, really expensive and really hard to get uh, stuff uh, like nearly custom made cars, and um, right now how it all developed, and like there's still a need for custom made cars, but uh, uh, most of the times, people get just just something pre-done, something like uh, Squarespace or something like this. It's just a viable alternative, and mm. we all need to adjust and uh, check reality. And uh, like, uh, I, I find it actually uh, really dangerous that uh, like we increase uh, the level of knowledge, the required knowledge uh, to actually build a website. Uh, like a custom-made website but uh, it doesn't have to be that uh, it doesn't have to cost that much like you can easily get a blog on wordpress.com or something to, uh, uh become really good at it and uh, why shouldn't you be doing the same with a website yeah so um and i think the specialization going to doing this extra little parts that uh, we do nowadays um Uh, doing well and uh, hopefully bring some innovation um, to that and also diving deep into the matter and also um, like uh, getting more and more specialized is uh, what will be required uh, also next time because I don't think there's that much like uh, These companies, uh, there, there's a large one, uh, at least in Germany, it's called Jimda. Uh And uh, Wix is also the one from Israel, and there's also Squarespace. Yeah. And um, I don't think there will be getting less and less people, but more and more. Uh, so yeah,
2: definitely,
1: I, I don't see, like in, maybe in 10 years, I don't see the small companies uh, where like a flower... Uh, uh shop uh, in the city uh, will pay like I don't know ten thousand of euros uh, just to get a website.
0: no definitely yeah those companies uh, currently w- or would not have would just not get a website and now they can with these kind of technologies and um There's also, I've heard an interview with uh, the founder of Freelancer or freelancing.com or something like that and it's a a social website where there's, well not social, it's just this freelancer website where there's all kinds of freelancers from all over the world that put up their skills and they get vetted and stuff like that and then uh, you can hire freelancers um, to, um, or freelancers bid for, to do your project and you know underbid each other and stuff and then you can um you can hire them and apparently they do really good jobs and they're of course much cheaper than you know like a german developer or whatever because they're developers that sit in india or you know in eastern europe and stuff like that they just have lower living costs and for them what they earn there what is not like when they make i don't know I don't know how much an hour, like twelve bucks an hour or something like that, for them is is like ten times more what anybody else makes in their country or something, and um, and there's and there's like this, so so that's also happening. So the skills are you know uh, also distributing everywhere in the world, and and people are getting pretty good also in other countries. I think in those developing countries sometimes there was there was. In at some point, the boom, like, yeah, we're gonna hide a lot of we're gonna hire a lot of people from these developing countries to do our code, but then there were cultural differences that didn't work out, and aesthetic differences and all these kind of things, but I think that this is also those gaps are closing, and for instance, there's there are now freelancers in the u s or Europe that then basically take on projects and then delegate them out to these freelancers that are all over the world and um and and uh, yeah, and these kind of things are happening. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely um, yeah, there are definitely kind of these kind of developments where you can definitely see that the making a lot of money with just making a website or making a WordPress site for somebody or whatever is definitely going to go away. Um, there, those projects are still still exist, but they're not not going to be there for long. So, and uh, we're at the end of our time. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was really, really awesome to, uh, to talk to you both. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying these kind of uh, community <laughs> community f- f- uh, uh, stand-ins for, for my co Good co-host. to hear. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was fun for me as well. Yeah, Great. very much so. Thanks for inviting us
0: yeah yep. you're welcome so thanks for coming um i'm just going to rattle down uh, the things that i need to uh say um so reactive uh yeah you find the show notes on reactive.audio and we are reactive pod on twitter i'm khalil tweets on twitter henning is hglatergots on twitter uh raquel is rockbot on twitter and please send a review um on iTunes you'll find the link uh, f- to send us a review uh, on there in the show notes as well and um, yeah and uh, Alex is uh, Silis on Twitter so go ahead and follow him and Matthew I forgot your Twitter handle what's your Twitter handle?
2: Setter MJD
0: there you go Thank
2: Setter, you. as in the Irish setter. alright <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you. it helps
0: alright cool uh all right have a good night bye bye
2: likewise bye bye